Major changes to Apple's MacBook lineup. Has Zoom made your Mac vulnerable to hackers? What will Apple be like without Johnny Ive? And your hot takes. All in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola. I'm here with Leif Johnson. Hiya. Jason Cross. Hello. And Michael Simon. And hello. So full let's, house. Yeah, full house today. So there's a lot to get through. So let's go through the news. The big news this week is that Apple announced some lineup changes to the MacBook. There's a new MacBook 13-inch. Everything's touch bar now. So if you wanted the touch bar to go away, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Apple is actually doubling down on the touch bar now. We, we knew it was happening at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a new 13-inch, the entry-level 13-inch MacBook Pro. It has a 1.4 gigahertz, eighth generation. And I forget the code name because it gets all mixed up after, I guess, like Coffee Lake or something like that. I admit like I can't that. keep track of it. I think right. Co- Coffee yeah. Lake is the ninth and KB Lake is the eighth. I don't know for sure. Though. Yeah. But this is an eighth generation 1.4 gigahertz processor, which you might think is slower because the previous... Uh, if you just looked at clock speed, the previous model, the one that it replaced, was like, I think it was a 2.3 gigahertz. But that was a previous generation processor. Yeah, clock speed isn't what yeah. it once was. This yeah. is, it's quad core and also it's, that's not the boost clocks. And boost clocks on Intel processors are higher when you're using just one or two cores. So, and that was a dual core. So if you were doing a lightly threaded task, this is really kind of going to be as fast as it used to be. You shouldn't worry about it. Don't look at the clock speeds. There's yeah. you know multiple cores, and it's an and it's a later, newer generation processor. We have one of them in. We have the uh, 1499 model in, which is the one with more storage. It's the same processor though, so the performance is going to be the same. The preliminary benchmarks that I've run so far, yeah, there's an improvement in single core, but the, it's the multi-core processing changes that really, really are dramatic. The big one was the. Oh, well, the air got a boost. The the air got a better screen with True Tone, which they should have really had in the first place. Yeah, it's 1099, which isn't bad, you know. Yeah, yeah. So but, the entry level MacBook Air is 1099 now. The step up is 1299, and again, the change is storage. Correct? There's not like a CPU increase from 1099 to 1299. Correct. There's the change is storage, and they changed it so that you can't. Like, it used to be the top-end storage on that was this weird 1.5 terabyte thing, and now it's just one terabyte. It used to go from 512 to 1.5, and now it's to one terabyte. Uh, And they changed all across the line. They changed the price of storage, especially the really top-end storage, the really, really big SSDs. Got a lot cheaper on all Mac, Macs, all Macs, iMacs, everything, iMac Pro, you name it. Yeah, Apple decided it can't keep gouging us for storage. It's, I mean, it's actually still kind of gouging us, yeah. but only a little. Like, as someone said, it's super expensive as opposed to insanely yeah, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And the, those prices have been dropping for like a year, and Apple just refused to budge. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're still paying three grand for two terabytes if you want it. And then the other MacBook change is the we all said goodbye to the 12 inch MacBook. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of tweets in my article saying, you know, they they really sympathize. They they appreciate that. And that, that made me feel good because that was actually my favorite MacBook. And I, I miss having one because it was so 
so portable. And people say, oh, the MacBook Air, you had more power. That was a thing. I used it for writing. I used it for portability. I didn't need all that extra stuff. And it was powerful enough to run World of Warcraft. I mean, it was... <laughs> the, the, the Air is light, but the MacBook was. It was like a pound lighter, I think. I would sometimes worry that I had left it at home. It was so light. It was enough to make a difference that you would like forget it, it was, was there. It did make yeah. a difference, yeah. I have to wonder if with where we're getting to with iPads and the iPad in you know OS for iPads being better if that's it's kind of like they don't see that that the really really portable market and that really really lower price market is is as necessary. Mm-hmm. That's what I ended it with is that I think Apple for people who want that portability and everything wants us to go to the iPad. That was the way I ended that editorial, but I it's not the same thing. It it's yeah. On the other hand, it's nice to have a simple Mac notebook lineup again. It was too complicated, and that and for for the advantages and portability, the MacBook did have a ton of problems. People mm-hmm. rightly pointed out about uh, like the one port, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was not as annoying as you thought it would th- think it would be. Yeah, it was. Yeah, especially uh, since the battery lot lived went on forever. Like I could keep that thing hooked up to my cinema display, which I had to use the port for, and for like half the day it would last. I mean, without charging, and so yeah. The, the lineup is simplified now. It's just. MacBook Pro and MacBook Air. There's rumors of a 16-inch Ultra MacBook Pro, I guess. It's uh, <laughs> a, a laptop that's supposed to be geared towards professionals. I guess the type of people who would want to buy the new Mac Pro would want to buy this rumored laptop, I guess. I don't know if it'll further complicate the line because it's if it's going to be so... Yeah, well, having a 15 and a 16 is a little close. That's where it gets weird, yeah. yeah. The screen size gets. I wonder funky. if the 15 maybe goes away. I don't know. Yeah, this you could whether this is a replacement for that ultimately or not. Yeah, we don't know. But that's not even supposed to enter production until the end of the year and yep. go on sale sort of early next year. It, it, the rumors are saying so. I actually, when now that Mike says that, I think those are the two good sizes if people want that. 16 for really big, you want that display, and 13 for portability, but with yeah, some power. With that that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. They're like the sweet spot for productivity. 11's a little bit too small. Um, 17, I mean, they haven't made that in years, but that thing was a monster. Six, 16 with the small bezels, and the, you know that's, that's a nice size. I used to call the uh, MacBook, the 17-inch MacBook Pro, the cafeteria tray. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yes. big, but I loved that thing. I had one too, but I never took it anywhere. <laughs> right. I would carry it everywhere. Whenever I think, oh, this thing's too heavy, I would think, well, this is just my workout for the day or something <laughs> like that. It would justify it that way. I would find so many ways to justify its size because I just loved the size of it. Yeah, it was a beast. It was a beast. And I don't think it ever got any smaller. It just, they just, got, they no. just upgraded the <laughs> processor. But it was, it was a, I mean, a hell of a machine for its time. As I mentioned, we do have a the new 13-inch in-house. I'll be working on a review of that, so look for that in the next that's few a, days. That's the Pro you have or the Air? The Pro. Pro. The Air so, is 12, or I don't even remember. What's the, the screen Air's, size of the Air? It's also 13. 13. Oh, it is. It's a 13. Yeah. Shaped different, different processor, different price. Yeah. yeah, if anything, it's shaped different, but the dimensions are almost the same as the, between the Mac, the 13-inch MacBook Pro and the and the MacBook Air, it's the thickness because the MacBook yeah. Air has the taper. The, yeah, the thick end of the MacBook Air is almost the like same as the entire thickness of the regular 13 Pro. 
the original MacBook had that taper too, which was nice. Which I liked. Yeah. So they don't make a screen below tw- uh, thirteen. They don't make a right. touch a, a, a laptop without a touch bar, and they don't make a nine ninety nine laptop anymore. Yeah, the Air Not doesn't anymore. have a touch bar. Oh, that's, that's how true. You can get yeah, that's right. It just has a touch. It has touch ID. Right. It has touch ID. That's the one you want. You want your escape key and function keys, but no, yeah. touch, but touch ID, and that's. Yeah, so I guess the you can say the touch bar is being promoted as a pro feature. Yeah, and that makes it that's a little more clear. That's a little less that makes the lineup, the Mac lineup, a little more like differentiated. Like you know what you're getting. One thing I think is interesting is they they incorporate the touch bar experience, if you want to call it that, on the on sidecar on the iPad. If you use your iPad as a secondary monitor. And that was when I was like, that was another hint that they were going all in on this. And so, yeah, you can, even if you're using a MacBook that doesn't have, yeah, you'll have the touch bar interface over on your iPad when you're using your uh, iPad as a uh, secondary monitor for your Mac. Uh, in other news, if you ever used Zoom, which I, is a teleconferencing like now. everybody. <laughs> it's a popular video yeah. conferencing like it's one of those things that someone sent you a link at some point. You had to install it really quick, and then you never worried about it again until right. yesterday. Until, <laughs> until. So there was some news. Uh, Zoom, Zoom made some. Is that the name of the company, Zoom, yeah. or, or what is that's it? The, yeah. Well, that's the that's the service. Yeah. I don't know if that's the company that makes the app or the service. Mike, can you explain a little bit of this security uh, problem that Zoom has? Just a quick recap. So Apple um, released a change, I think in Safari 11, that put up a dialog box that said, listen, somebody wants to access your, um, I, guess, I think it was your camera or something. So, so when you click that Zoom link, it brought up a dialog box. That's a security thing. Zoom didn't like that. They thought it was too com- complicated for users. So what they did is they installed a localhost web server on every Mac that installed their app that communicated with Safari that took away that message box and launched the window that it was supposed to launch without that extra click. However, that local server host, A, had a vulnerability where anybody could access it and, and you know use your camera, and B, stayed there forever, even if you uninstalled the app. That came out um, on Tuesday night. Now the guy, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. The person who discovered the floor is a security, uh, the floor, uh, a security researcher. If someone could look that his name up, yeah, he published this because he contacted zoom as he's supposed to 90 days ago. And they were like, yeah, we're just going to leave it the way it is. And even after it was published and started spreading around, zoom was like, we're not changing it. We're going to add an option where you can have your camera turned off by default but you have to go do it yourself and we're not taking away the server and we're not changing any of their functionality. After about 13 hours of hammeringly negative headlines, they changed their mind. Yeah. And then Apple stepped in and said, yeah, we're going to just uninstall it from every, anyone, everyone's machine without even going to their website to uh, download the, the new app. So if you have a Mac that had Zoom, Apple issued a silent update. You didn't see it. You didn't have to. Um, you didn't have to do it to the Mac App Store or anything like that. And it just re- it removed that server from your Mac. So I'm not sure if the silent update removed it or disabled it. Oh, okay, it. fine. Well, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because the silent update stuff is the way that security stuff goes. Is they basically come. It's a it's a file that they have that's like a list of blocked kernel extensions and stuff. 
So I think that's just what they did. They just added to the list and said, like, look, even if this is on their system, it can't run. Just like they would do to spyware and stuff like that. So that's before everybody gets crazy about, like, Apple's deleting stuff off my machine silently and stuff. Like, this, this is their normal security protocol for updating against viruses and stuff like that is that they can just kind of blacklist certain processes. So that's that's the story in a nutshell. It was a it was a pretty wild twenty four hours for Zoom, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the name of the researcher was Jonathan Leitch. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So if you think you've run Zoom in the past, I believe me, you have. I checked. I had an, I still have the app on my on my Mac, and I cannot remember when or why I would have had to do it, but yeah. I it was there. Yeah, it's one of those things like go to meeting, yeah. right? It's yeah. like at yeah. some right. point somebody sent you a link. Exactly. And you're like, okay, I have to hit this and then to install, and now we can talk. And mm-hmm. now, yeah, yeah. So and, yeah, and you want to remove it. Yeah, and then when you're done, you don't think anything else. You just kind of no. like well, you you walk away and you're like, that was the. It. Yeah, and what was really crazy is that even if you did think of it and did uninstall it, it was, it right. was still there. Yeah, is, the the web server part is still there, which was just unconscionable. Yeah, they said it's that just, that was a, that was an honest mistake. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you're right. <Yeah>. Sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go to our website if you want instructions on. How to see if you have Zoom installed? Yeah, they have. Um, install it. There's a new version of the app on the Zoom website. Like I said, Apple went ahead and, and disabled it. And you, you, if you don't want to download that new version of the app, you can also hit the hit the terminal, and there's a couple of commands to type to get rid of it. If you have an Apple Watch and you like using Walkie Talkie, <laughs> you may find that you can't use Walkie Talkie. So there is apparently an, an issue with Walkie Talkie that was revealed recently. Uh, last night, uh, TechCrunch got the uh, statement from Apple. Yeah. So what what did the what did the statement say? What was what exactly was the problem? There was some kind of a vulnerability where people could eavesdrop on your walkie-talkie calls with an iPhone, and Apple said that there was no evidence that anyone had actually ever done it before, but it was possible. So they disabled the whole app while they fix it, and they will re-enable it when they fix it. So the twenty-five people that use walkie-talkie <laughs> into this. And, and walkie-talkie, what what watches? You can only use that with Series Three and Series no, Four. No, no, no. Right? I think it was all yeah. of them. Uh, was it all watch of them? that runs WatchOS Five? Yeah, right. So okay, OG original right. Apple watches cut out, but everything, <laughs> everything else, one, two, Series Series One, two, three, four, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never used walkie-talkie. I used it once. I, I used tested it for the with, with yeah, We yeah. used it for work. <laughs> We've used it for work, but we haven't used it in, our, in real life. I mean, honestly. You can make calls from your watch just as well. Yeah, right. You might as well. Yeah. I've taken calls on my watch, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. And I feel dumb doing it when I take calls on my watch. Yes. Because it, it just feels weird to talk into my watch and I don't know. But, I mean, the, the walkie-talkie thing was always weird because you just like barge in on somebody's life all of a sudden. Like at least like, the phone <laughs> rings and you can not right. answer it. So I mean, the thing was when it was first revealed, I thought it was a cool feature. Well, sure. And then, it's uh, cool that they and then do like it. later I kind of thought, yeah, I don't know how practical that's this feature. It's is. it's cool for like a like a ten year old and his friend, like that's the yeah. target market is like kids. <laughs> and originally, I said it was very situational, like you're working on a site to like your work site together, and yeah, you, know, that you have was, questions about do something. Sure. You can like use it like a real walkie talkie. Remember when like and, there was those Nokia or Motorola, whoever had it on their phones, like I don't know, eight years ago. Like again, a very niche case that. Some people loved it, and most people never touched it. Anyway, you can't use it now. <laughs> <laughs> can't use it now. Yeah, so they'll have to kick out 
uh, well, they, they won't just be able to update it. They won't just be able to turn it back on in the background. They're going to have to issue an, an yeah. update. Right? Yeah. Watch OS update. Which means it'll yeah. take you, you know, seven hours to uh, update it. <laughs> right. Yeah. One yeah. Thing Apple Watch is take Apple Watch updating update. is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing I hate about updating Apple Watch is like it can, it can only be done over Wi Fi. Over Wi Fi. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be charged 50%. You got to put it on the <laughs> yeah. charge. Oh, yeah. It's this whole it thing. takes yeah. forever. Yeah. What I don't understand is how, <laughs> as much as I hate all that, it still is harder to update a Mac. <laughs> like, yeah, that has to be plugged in 50 percent, blah blah yeah, all this yeah. stuff it's slower somehow than yeah. updating my watch like i don't i don't yeah anyways if you're a frequent walkie talkie user and you don't know what to do with yourself just all you need to do is wait and for an io uh, uh, watch os update i'm sure apple will be issuing that relatively soon sometime between so. now and october now it's time for our feature discussion. We're going to talk about the departure of Johnny Ive. Uh, Johnny Ive Never recently left Apple. <laughs> yes. For those of you who haven't heard of him, like Mike, he's uh, he was the company's chief design officer. He was the man behind the design of the iPhone, the iPod, the iMac. And he has left more than an indelible mark, not just on Apple, but, but in the, the world, world of technology and design. So what is the significance of this departure and what does the company do going forward? He was there for what, 18 years or something? He was there for a really long time. Yeah. yeah. He did for 18 the, years. Even more than that. He, he did the 20th anniversary Mac back in 95. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's there for a long time. Yes. Yeah. When he originally started, he did the design of one of the Apple Newtons. Yes. So that's how, yeah. how far back he goes. Yes. He, he predates, you know, Jobs' return. And I think that that is one of the best proofs that that I've worked best under Jobs. He worked better with direction. And uh, because I, I think that's really when he came into his own as a famous designer and stuff. And uh, I don't I don't know. I'm one of the people that think that, you know, his interest level certainly dropped, you know, after Jobs was gone. I mean, yeah, that, that's the scuttlebutt. I mean, listen, the Apple Watch is gorgeous airpods are remarkable i mean you know there are products post steve jobs's death that are clearly johnny i've designed and you know pretty damn nice the cool thing about the airpods is they're basic it's the case really when you think about it it's basically just the previous you know pods without the without the wire so that that's one of the reasons why i'm a little bit you know iffy on calling that a new design but the case is impressive i feel like Obviously, he deserves a lot of credit and is a great designer, but there's this little bit of a myth around this, like, only one person can be this design sure. genius. Sure. And I, I think it's maybe a little overblown. I think a lot of what Johnny Ive gets credit for is a function of the company as, at its core just valuing design right. <laughs> in a way that a lot of other companies don't. And that other good quality, you know, top designers could be just as notable at apple just because they will be given the freedom to like let design be so important i mean apple does it to a fault apple does it to the point where they make bad mice over and over and over again because <laughs> they look good like i mean this this whole oh what are they going to do without johnny ive i'm like he's been there forever if they don't have other designers who were working under him who get it <laughs> and can do the work and can do it well and can have his vision and carry it forward and make great design products at Apple, then they've been messing up for 
a couple of decades. Like it really should not be a problem. But by all accounts, they do. His team, they're not as famously known as Johnny I, but they're known. Right. They're guys that know what they're doing and they've been working with him forever. And I'm sure they bring their own things to the table. Didn't some of the most notable ones leave? Yeah. <laughs> Prior to Ive leaving, I think there was a departure that some other designers left. Yeah. The, the the ones that are most, I, I think, I, is his name Alan Dye? Like he's the guy who's been working with him for long enough where he the, the transition with the team under them shouldn't mm-hmm. be in total disarray. Right. Not to mention Apple's, Johnny Ive is leaving, but he's leaving to make his own design studio company of which Apple will be a client. I want to know what 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 kind of non-compete clause does he have? Like, can Google call him up and be like, dude, can you design our next phone too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Is I it just like cufflinks and fire extinguishers? Like, what, what, what can his company do? Well, you know, part of the things I said is that, you know, what worries me is I think that one strength that Apple had is that having one person that had was responsible for a lot of designs gave Apple products kind of like a, a unity of design and stuff. And I, you know, it sometimes seems like designs from other companies, while they may sometimes be impressive, it's like designed by committee. And there's not this unity that you find in Apple products where, you know, it's like, this looks like an Apple product. Yeah, and for uh, sure. that's yeah. what I, I worry about. And that's why I think having the one person at the top is important well all they really need is somebody at the top that is able to look at a final product and say this isn't quite right Mm -hmm. that's what that i mean that's steve jobs was a genius but what made him what made apple apple is that he wasn't afraid to say at the you know the 11th hour no no no, we got to fix this right yeah and that's really what they need from whoever the next Johnny Ive is going to be, is someone who isn't afraid to challenge the people below him and say, no, no, this is really good. You're 95% of the way there. Let's just fix this one piece. Because mm-hmm. I, I use a ton of phones and they, you know, with notches and that are like the iPhone, but they're not the iPhone. There's mm-hmm. a craftsmanship there. There's a attention to detail there that is mm-hmm. only Apple does. And, you know, even Samsung, yeah. they get close. It's, it's not Apple. And feel like uh, this is also maybe an opportunity to see like Apple design has been kind of stale since the aluminum MacBook era has began, mm-hmm. you know, right. where mm-hmm. they've, they've looked very same uh, with the exception of a couple of these colorful plastic phones that they did like this 5C, like mm-hmm. iPhones have looked, had that very same slightly and black industrial looks. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what they can do if maybe somebody else has a different idea of like what Apple design should be. Yep. You know, maybe gl- flat instead of glossy, maybe, you know, I mean, colors are important. You know, I'd like the, the world kind of follows Apple design to some degree. And I'd, I'd like to see, you know, it change a little bit and not just mm-hmm. be this silver and black sleek looking, but just almost to a fault, almost to the point where they don't have personality anymore. Yeah, I, I want to see that fun again, and I believe maybe it was Snell. You know, we had an editorial about that, and I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, the fun is a little bit gone. Product development now, as I understand it, is basically under the guidance of Jeff Williams, who is the chief operating officer. So there have been some concerns among amongst Apple pundits because he's a COO and not necessarily a product person. Yeah on how that will influence Apple product development. But a lot of people point out, you know, Apple is a gigantic company now. Its product development isn't what it isn't the w- way it used to be. 
back in the day, back when Johnny Ive started. And who's to say that Jeff Williams isn't going to be able to adapt and Mm -hmm. who's to say that he doesn't have an eye for design? Not that he will be the final say in terms of design, but, you know, he might be able to find a way to, I don't not necessarily delegate, but rely on others on the design aspect of Apple products. By the way, I think that's a weak argument. I think Apple, the most important thing about Apple is its product design. That's what people really associate. That's why people want Apple stuff. And I, I can't, you know, people, oh, it's a big company. Yeah, well, they need to really nail down that product design now. Yeah, it, it, Apple of all companies doesn't want to become IBM. Like they were, that was the whole point of them is that mm-hmm. they were the anti-big, bland, corporate, operations-driven, numbers-driven you know, they were the company with passion, with design, with like that, that you really that cared about, that did things differently. Uh, and they were small for a while doing that. It's weird that they've now they're so big. But to, to keep that aspect of the company alive is going to be challenging. And yeah. it is I can see why people would be worried that an operations guy is, is the person in charge of products. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out badly, but it's like I can I can see the worry. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and also some people have pointed out, you know, Tim Cook, the CEO, used to be an operations guy. He used to be mm-hmm. the COO. He used yeah. to have Jeff Williams' job. So mm-hmm. your two top guys at Apple are operations people. Yeah. A lot nice. of people complain about like the, yeah. the products haven't been good since Tim Cook because he's an operations guy, which is kind of a silly argument. But yeah. They have, I think they have been. I think they have been making sort of new and hit products on the regular pace. It's about time for another one. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's right, been a while yeah. since the Apple Watch, but it's, you know, that's how long these things take. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of spoiled by that. IMAC, exactly. iMac, iPod, right. iPhone, iPad. I mean, that was like, that's never going to happen again in, in the history of, of computing. I mean, it was that those four products were amazing. Yeah. Yeah, how many other companies can you say that about, you know, that they've come out with these Not, you know, generational yeah. hits? And, like you know, they were somewhat iterative of each other, but it's they were still, they were four, you know, massive, not just hits for Apple, but, you know, landscape-changing products. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's going to take probably another 20 years to get that, maybe longer. Apple Watch isn't that, but it's good. Really? At the moment, based on current rumors, I think the best chance of that, based on what we know, was probably those AR glasses. Yep. And Maybe. I'd like to see them be really amazing. They're going to have to be really amazing to do it. But I think that would be the best chance for that you know, new landmark product. Yep. Based Agreed. on what we know currently. Yeah, yeah it's not going to be a car. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not, yeah, it's not going to be a car. That, I mean, maybe Johnny Ive wanted to do one because he's big into cars with that guy, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I never expected to see an Apple car roll out on the uh, Steve Jobs Theater stage. Not a chance. Uh, but yeah, the, the glasses, um, I don't know, I think probably still three to five years away from a real viable product. I agree. I do but agree with yeah, that. I do think that's right now, as, we, as it stands right now, that's probably the next frontier that where a real breakthrough could happen. Yeah, and Apple's been pushing the whole AR aspect in, in iOS. So the next logical step is to make hardware that help further that. Now it's time for your hot takes. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you're thinking via email at podcast at macworld.com or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on Facebook. 
Uh, here are a few comments that caught our eye. The first comment's from Chris Mara on Facebook. This is about the discontinuation of the new of the old MacBook. Sorry, he says that it won't be missed. He thought it was overpriced and underpowered. The Air was always a better choice. Unfortunately, the Air now joins the limited I/O Apple portables with only USB-C and no MagSafe. Then there's the useless touch bar. It's why media professionals are reluctantly going to Windows. OS 10 is better, and it's the only reason to buy a Mac. Well, guess what, Chris? The 12-inch <laughs> MacBook did not have a touch bar. So, yeah, I mean, and like I said, I was saying this earlier, that I, overpriced, I will agree with you, but underpowered and stuff, I wasn't trying to, you know, edit a video you know, show with this thing. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to write, and, you know, for a journalist, I thought it was a pretty good tool. But it was only overpriced and underpowered because Apple did that. I mean, they, if Apple would have, if the new Air would have been the new MacBook, we wouldn't be having this conversation. They just didn't want to make that form factor anymore. It's still too big for me. <laughs> Our next comment comes from at Miho on Twitter. This is about the rumors that the butterfly keyboard will be going away. I've got a couple comments. The first one from Miho. He says, the day to replace my Mac is finally coming. And then uh, on the same lines, at Simon Man Y on no Twitter says, yeah, no <laughs> relations. <laughs> says uh don't really understand why people complain i love the keyboard now and if and i feel so unwell with any thick keyboard and almost can't type anything with a classical keyboard see i'm usually a fan you know it, it comes i don't i hate the butterfly keyboard on the 15 inch it's it's annoying the type on but on the 12 inch i really liked it it was the, the spacing was good and i think that the fact that it like almost flat with the table made a big difference and stuff so it it, it comes and goes but it, in all cases even i a comparative supporter of the butterfly keyboard it's effing loud i yeah, mean it's, very, know, it's like that's my biggest problem so with it too it's so when loud. i try to look up something on this podcast you can yeah. probably hear me clacking yeah, on here i mean that's how crazy the, the irony is the new MacBook Air and MacBook Pro are already part of the keyboard replacement program because yeah. they use the same ones. I, I think this rumor probably holds some weight. Um, I yeah, don't I do. think oh, we're going to see anything until uh, a, maybe that 16-inch MacBook or whatever comes out next year. But it, it means that Apple has recognized that there's a problem a long time ago because mm -hmm. a new Mm -hmm. They're not just supposedly. Right. They're not just going back to the old keyboard. They're it's a new so right. Switch so they've been working stuff, on it, which means that, yeah, it takes a long time to make yeah, and sure. test and qualify all the little parts in there. And then you know they got to test this more than they've tested any other keyboard because after all this stuff with the mm -hmm. keyboard stuff, if they if they replace this <laughs> keyboard and it's got problems, like that's going to be real bad. Right? I want to know if this so. is the real reason why Johnny Ive is bolting. <laughs> Well, see, I, I keep hammering down on this. Is that you know this this the keyboard thing the the changes to iPad OS? I mean, it's all it seems to me like part of a really big shift at Apple. It's like let's okay, we're we're really going to address these you know practical practical problems people seem to be having having with our product. And you know we've seen that in so many different announcements, and I think they're all related. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I I wrote about this, but I don't think iPad OS is that big of a of a shift. It's it's an it's it's iOS 13 with a new name. I mean, it's it's a little different. It is, yeah. There, it's more it's more that the the name is just recognizing that yeah. hey, on the iPad, iOS has different there are features. More features. Than it does right. on the iPhone. Right. And I think in future versions, the that'll there'll be even more of that, mm -hmm. so it'll make sense. But I yeah. think they're just like the name is preparing us for a future where they they diverge even more. Maybe so, but I will tell you, podcasters, as a journalist, as 
friggin' annoying to have to run because it's you you use an iOS 13 and iPad OS 13. I mean, it just keeps adding unnecessary bulk to everything I write because I have to clarify that it's in both both operating systems. Yeah. That's why we hate it because it's too long. It, it is a big part of why I hate it because yeah, it's it's so similar. You just said you liked it. <laughs> I mean, I I, I I I no, I don't like the fact that they oh, give you them different like names. The name. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think iPad. I, I I I mean, yeah, I don't think it's that different from iOS 13, but I think it does make the iPad yeah, yeah. more enjoyable. I've been using it more than I normally do. Yeah. Well, that just about does it for this week's episode of the MacWorld Podcast, episode 658. Thanks to Life for Thank joining us. Thanks to Mike. Thanks. And thanks to Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Subscribe to the podcast via iTunes through SoundCloud or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or you can contact us through Twitter. That's at MacWorld or on the MacWorld Facebook page. Join us next week as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you all next week. 